This is District Sentinel Radio. It's the newscast of record for the left. I'm Sam Sachs. I am Sam Knight. And we are back broadcasting out of Washington, D.C. Check out the website, districtsentinel.com. Got a full show for you here with a garbage can dessert at the end of it. Got some FOIA follies, file follies in the middle, some news. I know it's been like three weeks since you last heard from us, but we're okay. Everything is fine here. I, uh, I mean, I've had in, I've endured some some hardship, uh, basically walking across the country in mud from Burning Man over the last <laughs> week. Uh, it was a harrowing experience. My friend Neil said, "Hey, come to Burning Man with me." Neil Catty, all you know, Neil. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, he got yeah. out of there on a uh, on his propeller hat. It, That's it right. Threw him out. Yeah, I took that picture of him, and he didn't even give me credit on Twitter when he posted that that really uh, ravishing picture. Um, but I made it. I'm ready to do the dang show. Shit, I didn't have a bit ready. I <laughs> I, I, was, I was trying to rack my brain to think, like, what crime can I joke about doing uh, without being too weird? And yeah, you've it just, turns you've just had a nice time with the family. Yeah, it's true. I was I was on the I was at the beach. It was lovely. We were on the Jersey Shore. Um, there is this this insane thing going on on the part of the shore where we go to where um, there are these wind turbines, offshore wind turbines that uh, that are in the works, and there is just this insane campaign against them that is just like. It's wild. It's 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 kind of interesting. Signs everywhere. Yeah, there are. And in my spare time, I was like doing some googling about the group behind them, like pulling up their nine nineties, thinking like, oh, maybe there'll be some like some oil company ties or evidence of like some shady ties where some vaguely named LLC will be involved. And I think this is just good old fashioned nimbyism like actual nimbyism and the guy who's leading the campaign no ulterior motives other than not in my backyard i don't want that built here go build it somewhere else they're campaign campaign is save long beach island and (laughs) the idea being like oh my god if these turbines appear like our tourists economy is is screwed our home values are, are going to plummet and stuff and it, it, it's it's not true at all no. but no. it's it's being whipped up and and the guy leading this group is active in the local democratic party and he was uh he was he's a former department of energy official and he was <laughs> he was tasked with an initiative designed to reduce U.S. dependence on foreign fossil fuels, and it's like you wasted your fucking life, bro. If that <laughs> you went this circuitous route to be to to undermine clean energy, like w- what did you do? Like why? 
you know, you, you just wasted an entire lifetime. And I don't know. It's 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 unbelievable. I don't think this group can actually do anything to stop the project. I, I'm fairly certain they can't. And this is just like impotent rage. Yeah. But it is it is pretty wild to see. Well, they might be able to tie it up for a little bit. And, you know, there is this phenomenon of local opposition to clean energy projects that that do slow these projects down. But what's bizarre is how many policymakers here in Washington have taken that to mean that we need to gut the National Environmental Policy Act (laughs) to stop all environmental reviews of all energy projects, not just uh, wind farms in the ocean or transmission lines or giant solar projects, but also pipelines and new drilling sites. And this is this actually is an effort that is led by the API, the American Petroleum Institute, and other fossil fuel interests that, through Joe Manchin, has, and now through like most of the like kind of Jonathan Chait style liberal commentariat, has gotten a lot of buy-in. People supporting so-called permitting reform yeah it's 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 insanely fucked up that they can greenwash uh you know the 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 move to ram through uh dirty energy shit by saying well oh well this also overcomes local opposition to no but we we know it's going to get built with the the supreme i mean they may as well pass the permitting reform, because we saw what the Supreme Court did with the debt ceiling bill that was like, oh yeah, uh, all these uh, regulatory environmental concerns with the with the uh, Mountain Valley Pipeline, eh, you know, they don't count. <laughs> Let me just close this up by saying as someone who grew up a few minutes away from the beach, when you go to the beach and you look out at the ocean, it's just nothingness. Like it's it's staring at the edge of oblivion. You're not there to take in that sight. I mean, you know, sure it's nice, but once you've seen it, you fucking seen an ocean. Everybody's seen an ocean when they see an ocean. I would think that if there were these giant structures, these testaments to human ingenuity and engineering churning and producing electricity based on just the earth's natural rhythms that's definitely a lot cooler to see while i'm at the beach i would like to see that stuff that's uh that's a sight you don't normally see when you go to a beach i know when you're driving out to atlantic city not that I do that often, <laughs> but when you are, you uh, you know, you get on the the Atlantic City Expressway, and as you get closer, there's all these these windmills, and it's dope seeing them. And when I was driving out west, you'd see a lot of them, and they're cool as hell. And you'll sometimes see the trucks transporting the blades. 
Yeah, they're huge. And that is crazy how they're transported around the country. But uh you know, we're off we're off on talking about all sorts of shit. So Congress has been out of session for the last month, so we haven't missed much while we've been on uh vacation. There is a huge story developing off the hill with United Auto Workers really looking like they're going to go on strike next week on Friday. An offer from Stellantis was rejected by the union. That comes uh, a day after the union rejected an offer from GM. Last week, the union rejected an offer from Ford. All these offers from these companies came in well below what the union was asking for, which is 46% compensation increase and bring back a pension. These companies were offering like 10 to 15% increases, no pension. Uh, UAW President Sean Fain called the offers insulting. Uh, Biden doesn't have as much control over this labor dispute as he did with the railroad workers uh, at the end of last year. Uh, Transportation workers are covered under different labor law that gives the government uh, more influence on labor negotiations. And you have to jump through a bunch of hoops before you can actually go on strike in those industries. Here, a strike could just go out next week. The contract expires September 14th. And the union has already authorized the strike with 97% support. Uh, Fain did have to check President Biden earlier this week because Biden was asked about a strike and he said he doesn't think it's going to happen. He's not worried about a strike. Which kind of undercuts the point of a strike threat. <laughs> um But Fain was like, he must have information I don't because we're ready to go on strike. So that's that's a that's the big story uh, heading into uh, next week. I'd say the other major story happening off the hill is what's what's going on in Atlanta. Yeah, some real scary news this week. Uh, many of you are no doubt aware by now. Sixty-one Stop Cop City activists were hit with Georgia RICO charges in their fight to stop construction of a massive police training facility in a forested area of southern Atlanta. And many residents strongly oppose this massive infrastructure, which would uh, train police in aggressive, lethal tactics and uh, urban warfare, if I recall correctly. It's it's basically meant to simulate urban warfare. Yeah, hundreds of people spoke at the city council for hours, for like a day, in opposition to this to, to raising funding for this project. Almost no one spoke in support. <laughs> and yet the city council ignored all that opposition and moved in anyway. Those facing RICO charges include three people who raised money for a solidarity fund. They were already facing charges related to alleged charity fraud. Also, three people were charged under RICO after uh, being arrested handing out flyers, flyers that named the Georgia State police officers who killed an unarmed protester, Manuel Tortuguita Paez Tehran, in January. 
Evidence of a criminal conspiracy presented by prosecutors included conspirators' involvement with, quote, mutual aid, zines, and collectivism, and the starting date for the alleged conspiracy was May 25th, 2020, which was, of course, the day that Minneapolis police murdered George Floyd. It was long before plans for Cop City were even announced. The RICO Act was signed into law in 1970 by President Nixon, ostensibly to go after the mafia, but cops have not yet arrested themselves under the law. hi but I'm just, I don't know if that fell flat, but just leave it in there. As frightening as the news was, there was an inspirational response. Two days after charges were revealed, five people broke into the Cop City construction site and chained themselves to a bulldozer, noting how city officials are shutting down democratic means of challenging the initiative, including by attempting to obstruct efforts to put the matter on a referendum on the ballot in uh, this November. This November? It is this November, right? Yes. Anyway... You can indict rebels, but not the rebellion. Which is to say that the five involved in Thursday's action were definitely arrested by DeKalb County Police, who released a statement saying that they've involved Georgia State Police in the case. The Intercept noted, quote, This is just the latest example of Georgia law enforcement treating typical acts of civil disobedience with a heavy-handed multi-agency response. The good news is that repression can only do so much, as one activist, only identified as Darcy, told The Intercept, quote, the domestic terrorism and RICO charges against protesters are meant to scare us or else to orient all of our energy and resources around supporting protesters who have been arrested by shutting down Cop City construction today. Clergy and students showed that everyday people can take bold actions to block this facility from being built. I, yeah, I think I forgot to mention the uh, domestic terrorism charges. I mean, I know we've talked about it on, on previous shows. A lot, if not all of these, I think, yeah, 100% of the RICO charges went to people who've already been charged yes. under domestic terrorism laws. Um, so they're just, they're just piling it on. They're just throwing everything at the wall uh, to see what sticks. To add insult to injury, the charges were recommended by the same Fulton County grand jury that recommended state RICO charges against Donald Trump for attempting to rig election results in 2020. So those who have been saying that the case against Trump stems from politically motivated prosecutors now have actual fucking evidence of that when people are getting RICO charges for handing out flyers or collecting money for arrested protesters. And there was more evidence Friday of how fucked up the whole process has been, albeit not in a way that makes things easier for Republicans to criticize the whole process, because the grand jury had also recommended charges against sitting Republican United States Senator Lindsey Graham, and prosecutors were just like, nah, 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 we're gonna, we're gonna just put this in the no pile. This was because after the election, Graham called Georgia's Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, who, per the Washington Post, quote, felt pressured by Republicans, including Graham, who Raffensperger said echoed, trained, echoed Trump's claims about voting irregularities in the state. He claimed that Graham on one call 
appeared to be asking him to find a way to set aside legally, legally cast ballots. The ballots were good, folks. Yeah, I'm not sure why Graham and these other senators weren't indicted. I know Purdue, the grand jury, almost unanimously voted to indict him. I think there was one vote against it. And if all things were equal, and they're definitely not, let me be clear, they're definitely not. But if all things were equal and Trump's efforts to overturn the election in Georgia was a criminal enterprise and Stop Cop City is a criminal enterprise. And again, Stop Cop City is not a criminal enterprise. But if they both were, then Lindsey Graham was far more involved in the enterprise to steal the election in Georgia than people who've been arrested for handing out fucking flyers or raising bail funds or whatever have been involved in whatever's going on with this case that prosecutors are trying to build against Cop City. And you can just tell how unserious this case is because they listed like the start date of this criminal enterprise as back in 2020, yeah, the, the day George that George Floyd, Floyd yeah, was I, murdered. Like, yeah, I, I'm... I, <laughs> I mean, they're they're trying. It's obvious, you know. They're obviously trying to criminalize any sort of uh, uh, protest against the police, and they're they're they're, they're, yeah, right. And it's man. (laughs) Let's uh, turn our attention to the Atlantic Ocean now, where there is another massive hurricane. Good news, though, it's unlikely to make landfall. This is Hurricane Lee. It doubled in wind speed in a single day, going from a Category 1 hurricane to Category 4 to then a Category 5. As of Friday evening, it's back down to a Category 4, but likely to strengthen again. Question is how close it will go to making landfall with the eastern United States, there is a front that is expected to turn the storm north and push it away from the coast. That's going to, uh, I guess, be determined in the next several days. A related story here, Bloomberg reporting on, quote, climate gentrification, a story about how in some parts of Florida, home insurance policies are now going for more than $600,000 a year. $600,000 to insure your home in some wealthier enclaves of Florida, particularly around Miami. There's already a crisis in the home insurance market in Florida. Insurance companies are bailing on the state because there's too much risk exposure with flooding and climate change-induced Superstorms, rates in the state have tripled, but for homes that are worth over a million dollars and that are located in risky areas, rates have gone up by 70 times more than the average. Just so we're more talking failure, more failure by Ron de Sanctimonious. <laughs> we're talking about super rich people now being priced out of certain areas. Uh, which is sort of what Bloomberg is getting at here. They're not talking about like working class and poor folks that can't live 
in South Beach anymore. They're talking about rich people that can't live there anymore. That's the type of gentrification they're referring to here. Quote, the result, an acceleration of what's come to be known as climate gentrification. Increasingly, only the affluent will be able to afford to insure themselves against extreme weather, floods, and wildfires on our warming planet. People of more modest means will simply be priced out, industry experts say. And there is truth to that in other areas, like in places where homes are still affordable, insurance is getting too expensive to where folks have to choose to go without insurance or to self-insure, which is obviously not advisable. But when it comes to these ritzy parts of South Beach and wherever, let the rich have it at this point. (laughs) These places are not sustainable in the long term. And if they want to build mansions in flood zones and in the paths of superstorms, and if they want to pay half a million dollars to then insure those mansions go for it i just hope that jim cantori is there to capture those behemoths tipping into the sea every year well i i will say this that if if the cubans can break up a russian human trafficking ring then maybe they can sort out this mess in florida so uh president diaz canel my country is in trouble. <laughs> we have some more oily follies this week, gang. Under FOIA, the Department of the Interior disclosed to us email correspondence involving Interior Secretary Deb Holland concerning the Willow Oil Project in Alaska, the one where they're going to need special cooling agents to prop up extraction infrastructure because the permafrost is melting because of all the oil extraction. Just think of the uh, think think of the brain drain that's happening. The the talented engineers that are being diverted toward the fossil fuel industry to come up with ways to suck out oil and gas that's being that's harder and harder to reach on a dying planet. Yeah, well, I mean, hey, someone's got to come up with the cooling agents uh, to <laughs> to prop up the the oil derrick that's tipping over. The Biden administration itself has said that Willow will every year yield an additional 9.2 million metric tons of carbon pollution, roughly the amount emitted by 2 million gas-guzzling cars, The Carnegie Endowment calls this a 4% increase in U.S. emissions from one project. ConocoPhillips, the company behind Willow, has also bragged about the drilling site proximity to an additional 3 billion barrels of oil, which, according to the Center for American Progress, is, quote, equivalent to the annual carbon emissions of every car, truck, plane, and other form of transportation used in the United States combined, This would, per the Natural Resources Defense Council, put U.S. carbon emissions targets out of reach. Here are some interior talking points attempting to rebut the naysayers obtained by us, sent to Secretary Holland two months after she took office in May 2021. 
just weeks after a federal judge stopped the Willow Project from going forward under a plan approved by the Trump administration. This was right after the news broke that Biden would back the Willow Project. This is from uh, Holland's communications director, Melissa Schwartz, quote, here is the Q&A we will be adding to the book. Q, how do you square the decision to support the Willow Project with this administration's slash your commitment to reduce greenhouse gas emissions? A, thank you for the question, but I'm not going to comment on active litigation. And that's the only attempt to address the project directly. Schwartz pivots to another bullet point, quote, what I can tell you is that our commitment to address climate impacts is firm and reflected in the multiple steps we've already taken to bring an all-of-government approach to the climate crisis. Just this month, we have made major announcements with the first offshore wind project off the coast of Massachusetts and a new partnership with DOD and the state of California to explore offshore wind possibilities on the West Coast. Of course, this is somewhat irrelevant considering that climate scientists are saying that all remaining oil reserves in the world must remain in the ground, must remain in the ground if we want to have even a chance at minimizing the catastrophic impacts of climate change by 2050. This is as the US and other major countries have agreed to under the 2015 Paris Climate Accords. You can't just minimize the effect of extracting billions of barrels of oil in this context by pointing to green tech initiatives, especially when considering what Schwartz was actually touting to deflect criticism. Items from the president's budget, which is, by and large, a document full of policies that never see the light of day in Congress. They never get enacted by any president. And even then, in this case, Biden's clean energy investments in his budget are woefully unambitious. Schwartz cited $1.9 billion in new climate-related investments most of, which, most of which was earmarked for conservation. Clean energy development money totaled a whopping $249 million, million with an M. The Department of Energy has estimated that decarbonizing the electricity grids alone by 2035 would cost between $330 and $740 billion. So if you're going with the lower end of the estimate, the clean energy development policies touted by Schwartz, at best, would get us seven one-hundredths of a percentage point toward where we need to go, 0.07% by the most charitable estimate possible. And this is while increasing carbon emissions by 4%. At least when Republicans deny science, they're transparently shitty about it. They're like, look at me, I'm a piece of shit. I'm guzzling oil. Democrats make you bust out the calculator. That's rude. Just, just come clean. Just come clean. Just say we don't give a shit about science either. Yes. Yes. Assuming, claiming that Biden's clean energy agenda or that broadly market-based solutions are going to curb global warming to the extent that the U.S. is able to meet its commitments under the Paris Climate Accords is a form of climate denialism because it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And I'm not saying that there's an easy way to do this. 
uh, we're fucked. We've crossed a lot of tipping points already. Things are going to get bad. And the only way, the only way that we have any chance of mitigating the worst effects of climate change over the next 100, 200, 300 years, climate stalling. You know, I mean, like, they could come up with ways to Americanize it. You know, it doesn't have to be climate stalling. No, of there course were, not. There were, of course not. I, no, but I, but I, the, I agree the, with My point you. is no, it needs to you. be keeping the oil in the ground. And there yes. needs to be state enforcement with harsh sanctions for anyone who is violating this policy. And, 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 and one could, you know, point to... Uh, World War II rationing and say we've done it before and we can we can ration and you know set a timeline we have to decarbonize the economy and until we do we are going to make sure everyone is taken care of and ration and enter a wartime economy like it doesn't you don't have to go full Stalin although at this point I think you do <laughs> but, but you know technically you don't have to go there but like, fuck, they're just like twiddling their thumbs, pretending like the market's going to figure it out. Jamie Dimon has got this. Don't worry. He promises he will take care of everyone. It will be the best. Uh, I will give Deb Holland some credit here, though, because a brief scan of... I, news items related to the Willow Project from, uh, you know, around two years ago, around the time these uh, talking points were circulated. I don't think she ever used them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In addition to keeping it all in the ground, obviously, you need massive state investment in modernizing the energy grid. And everybody went out and saw Oppenheimer. You know, everyone saw the movie and knows... And of course, the, the, the Manhattan Project was more than Los Alamos. It was a nationwide uh, built from scratch supply chain to create a fucking nuclear bomb, which shouldn't have been created. Another example is the space race and the Apollo Project and putting people on the moon and the nationwide logistical challenges and creating new industries from scratch that went into that. The capabilities are there. It's just rarely used for good. The important point is, though, the capabilities are there. As always, you can uh, email us or slide into the DMs if you have any interesting files that you come across or FOIA requests you'd like us to make for future episodes. All right, interns, it's time. Bring out the garbage can. Oh, jeez. Oh, wow. Oh, I brought, a I brought back a whole bunch of dead fish from the beach. Yeah, I brought back a porta potty from Burning Man and uh, <laughs> emptied it into the garbage can. Ugh. Dragged that thing across the country, too. Me and Neil. <laughs> All right, that's good, interns, right there. Uh, thank you. Uh, garbage candidate number one. It's Nancy Pelosi. We haven't done this in a while, so might as well go back and 
hit the classics here. Pelosi on Friday announced that she's running for Congress again next year. Running for re-election in 2024. She's in her fucking 80s. And she's been in Congress for more than three decades. And she's gotten worse the longer she's been in Congress. It's time to step aside. It's time to step aside. Yeah, uh, the good news is that she is evidently uh, so miserable on a basic emotional level that she doesn't know what to do with herself other than run for Congress. And good news for people who want to make some gains in the stock market. They can continue to copy Pelosi's (laughs) trades. I know that there are all sorts of uh, accounts out there that monitor the trades of the Pelosi's. So you too can exploit insider trading. Well, be careful because sometimes there's a lag in terms of when they disclose what they disclose. And, uh, That's true. Well, you know, you, you know, just learn. I don't, I don't really you trust that unusual that. whales account. That that guy is that guy reeks. <laughs> that that guy went from uh, reporting like some useful information about members of Congress and their trades to suddenly becoming like a all news, breaking news type viral hit machine especially when it came to ukraine and they never cite their sources yeah at least some people who do that will be like ap or reuters or whatever not this person yeah this person did uh has dm me in the past though really (laughs) yeah they dm me and they're like hey uh it'd be cool if you covered this on mmn so uh no hate this was before the ukraine should happen and I did cover their report about members of Congress stock trades because yeah, it was fair. interesting um but like once they started getting into this sort of breaking news aggregator on Twitter it was just like no uh, this is this is weird all right if you're if you're unusual whale if that's what you do just report on big fucking stock trades okay yes, don't yes. don't try to be like oh S- no. supreme court blah 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 no garbage cannon number 2 isaiah martin didn't know who this person was a week ago <laughs> now I, now they're a garbage candidate the 25 year old announced that he's running for the united states congress in texas's 18th district This is one currently represented by Sheila Jackson Lee, who is going off to run uh, for mayor of Houston. Anyway, in a video online, Martin claims he's running to be the next Gen Z member of Congress. Yeah. But beyond his age, it's not really clear what he believes in. And there's a lot of evidence his politics are dog shit. After he brought in $130,000 in campaign funds, he deleted the issues page of his website. The Intercept reported that Martin celebrated pro-Israel legislation that House Republicans introduced to shame Ilhan Omar. He claimed, uh, Martin claimed that he it would be among the first bills he would co-sponsor. Martin does not support Medicare for All. Uh, he's also spoken out in support of longer incarcerations to reduce crime. In prior social media posts, Martin eulogized Colin Powell, and uh, he posted pictures of himself posing with Texas Governor Greg Abbott. So, I, yeah, this guy sounds like he, he kind of sucks. Um, yeah, this guy sucks big time. Like, I obviously, there's a generational divide in American politics, but if, you know, 
if you come out and you're like, I'm a millennial or I'm Gen Z as your first thing, you know, eh, 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 eh. yes, yes, exactly. Don't trust politicians who are making that their selling pitch. And I know that uh, a lot of people on the left have given praise to the first Gen Z congressman, Maxwell Frost out of Florida. Uh, but you and I have sniffed this guy's bullshit out from the beginning. He had like a, he was like a crypto guy when he was running for Congress, but he, he did gain like some, some good media f- for talking about how hard it is to afford rent in Washington, DC as someone who's not rich, which is true. And he gave some good attention to, uh, rising home costs for the working class. Uh, the problem is a few months later, he's voting in support to turn back student debt repayments to turn on student debt repayments for people who can't afford housing. You expect them to suddenly afford repaying their student loans. Again, don't trust any of these guys. Garbage candidate number three, Walmart. The retail giant announced it is cutting labor costs. Starting pay for certain new hires will be reduced. It has been reduced. Going back to July, it's been reduced by about a dollar an hour. This comes after, at the start of the year, Walmart announced that it was increasing wages for workers. This decision to now decrease pay was made a lot quieter. No, uh flashy press release about how the company is lowering pay for new hires you got you got to get a contract you got to get it in writing or they'll do this to you every every time every fucking time uh you know that said obviously walmart is the most brutal fucking union buster there is so in no way was that statement meant to be like oh just go organize Walmart. <laughs> if Garbage. I were if I were a Walmart worker, I would just organize a union. Garbage candidate number four, ERCOT, the operator of Texas's deregulated energy grid, paid a Bitcoin mining farm almost thirty-two million dollars last month. Disney ass utility, fucking! <laughs> you kidding me? ERCOT <laughs> ERCOT had a deal with Riot Platforms in which ERCOT paid the company to shut down during times of stress on the grid. Like last month when a heat wave led to a huge demand in electricity. So Riot shut down and banked as a result of it. Basically, there's a deal that the that ERCOT has worked out where they ask these Bitcoin miners, how much money would you lose shutting down for X amount of hours? And these operators tell ERCOT and ERCOT says, okay, we'll pay you a dollar more than that. So it's become, there's a financial incentive now for Bitcoin operators to not do anything which is not afforded to any other fucking industry that I know of. 
Like, imagine if you're running, like, a strip mall or something, and ERCOT's like, all right, we'll pay you to close your strip mall. Yeah, we got to shut down the walk-in because ERCOT, they're going to pay us to just ruin three months' supply of meat. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, we're on parity now with the Bitcoin people. They could shut their shit down and nothing, no one cares, but... (laughs) We've got folks who are struggling to pay their AC, pay for AC during the summer heat wave down in Texas. You had folks who got hammered a few year, years ago who are on adjustable rate plans that when energy energy costs spiked during the cold snap, they ended up having to owe tens of thousands of dollars. Meanwhile, ERCOT is giving tens of millions of dollars to one single Bitcoin mining farm. News like this just, man, makes you want to research certain chemical properties. <laughs> Garbage candidate number five, Manchester United. Which, uh, yeah, you, you want yeah, me why to take, you take this, this one? Yeah, go ahead okay. and take this one. So... All right, this this is not a story that you need to care about soccer to get mad about. Uh, so this week, the news came out that one of uh, Manchester United's Brazilian, one of their wingers, a Brazilian guy named Anthony, his ex-girlfriend is uh, accusing him of hardcore abuse, domestic abuse, and... She is alleging that the club doctor treated her as part of like a cover-up so she didn't have to go to the hospital to be treated for her injuries from when he battered her, allegedly. Now, one could just simply say, oh, well, you know, let's see how this shakes out. These are still allegations. The club is also coming off of another domestic abuse incident involving another one of its players, Mason Greenwood, now former player. They were go the case against him fell apart as often is the case in these high profile um, sexual assault allegations uh, for obvious reasons. And the club was working on ways to try to ease him back into the team. They the the plans were underway. Then the athletic reported uh, that part of the plans to to bring Greenwood back included a report on who might be considered quote hostile to this decision. Reading from theathletic.com, the club's document listed a series of domestic abuse charities assumed to be hostile. So the Greenwood return fell apart, and now he's playing in Spain. Uh, in another disgusting display. That's another issue. But while this is all going on, there's a third Manchester United player, Jaden Sancho, who the reporting indicates he's been having some, some pretty severe mental health problems. And Manchester United's manager, Eric Ten Hag, who, by the way, brought Anthony with him to the team from Ajax and Amsterdam, but he went public talking about Jaden Sancho's mental health problems without permission, without Sancho's permission. 
Um, like, there's been a lot of talk about dirty money in English football and, like, is it fueling human rights abuses? The clubs themselves are fucking fueling human rights abuses. Like, this is insane. Like, Manchester yeah. United is being run like a criminal organization. Bring Rico against Manchester yeah. United if you bring it against anyone. They should, yeah, yeah. Marcus Rashford, you're too good for that club. You should leave. Go to Luton. And I will say, by the way, before like yelling myself hoarse about this, is like if you go back into years past, like Anthony and Greenwood are not the only Manchester United high profile Manchester United players to face these allegations. Cristiano Ronaldo, Ronaldo yeah. Ryan Giggs, Johnny Evans, when he was at the team. Like, you know, this is it, it's yeah. Two tiers, three tiers. How many tiers are there? How many tiers are there? I want to know. What does Anthony have to do? Uh, stop. I would say stop scoring goals, but he doesn't even fucking score goals. He's not even that good. I don't even <laughs> I know mean, is why, he how he has a spot on the team. Is Ronaldo on level with like Lloyd Blankfein? Cristiano Ronaldo can never go to prison. Just like, you know, there's there's too much of an economic impact. Give fucking Lanny Brewer on PBS to talk about how much of an economic disaster it would be if Cristiano Ronaldo would ever face trial for anything. Good argument. Good argument made for Manchester United there. It's going to be tough to top. Garbage candidate number six. Let's go with the crowd at the U.S. Open semifinal. The major tennis tournament is coming to a close this weekend, but on Thursday during a semifinal match, the tournament was disrupted for nearly an hour by climate protesters in the stands. And the crowd didn't handle it well. They booed mercilessly, which I'm not surprised at all to hear from what was likely an audience full of wealthy New Yorkers uh, for probably many of the same reasons that there's so much opposition to the wind farms up in New Jersey. Uh, as upset as they were, though, the people in the audience, they can't deny that something has been off about this tournament. The heat has been almost unbearable throughout. Tournament officials implemented a new policy to partially close the roof to create some shade. During a quarterfinal match, player uh, Daniel Medvedev remarked to a camera as he was like toweling off and getting the ball in between serves that it was so hot that someone is going to die out here. Uh, the group involved in the protest, Extinction Rebellion NYC, released a statement saying that there is no tennis on a dead planet. And there, we're almost to the point where, I mean, we are at the point where sports have to be modified to account for climate change. Here's another reason why the crowd at the U.S. Open should be uh, dominated Reading from CNN, a fan was ejected from a match at the U.S. Open on Monday, organizers said, after German player Alexander Zverev complained about hearing the individual use a since-removed phrase from the German national anthem, which Germany reinterpreted as a call for Nazi superiority during, <laughs> during World War II. Yikes. 
During the fourth set of his fourth round match against Italy's Yannick Sinner in Arthur Ashe Stadium, Zverev approached umpire James Keothavong to protest about the fans' behavior. He just said the most famous Hitler phrase there is, there is in this world. It's unacceptable, Zverev said on court at the time. This is unbelievable. It was Crazy. Deutschland über alles is uh, what the uh, what the fan said. Oof. I just saw also as we were heading into the uh, in here to record that, uh, you know, that 70 show actor Danny Masterson got 30 years in prison for being a serial rapist. Yeah. Uh, some pretty gruesome accounts uh, in court by his victims. Uh, one of those victims posted online that Mila Kunis and Ashton Kutcher wrote character statements in support of of mm. Masterson after the trial, like during the sentencing phase. So after hearing all these victims come forward and talk about what he did to them, uh, they then wrote letters in support of Masterson. Awesome. Are they right. Scientologists too, by any chance? I don't think I'm so. I'm not sure, They're but just... they are they are the weird celebrities who don't bathe. All right, who's going in the garbage can uh, this week? I mean, you made a pretty good case for Manchester United. I think it's got to be them or ERCOT because the story with ERCOT is just, I'm I'm having a I'm having a hard time rationalizing why that's able to exist. Yeah, I mean, Manchester United—they're obviously fucked up for a lot of reasons. Like I said, you don't need to be a, a, a soccer fan to understand how how deeply disturbing the shit is. But at the same time, like this <laughs> paying a Bitcoin operator to not uh, to not mine is like—are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> yeah, okay, ERCOT, yeah, I, I'm mad, ERCOT, ERCOT, you, you were going in the garbage can. can. Oh, there you are with the, the 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 half a beer that Ted Cruz drank on TV before spitting it out after the cameras turned off and crying. <laughs> That's the show. Thanks for listening. Thanks for your support. As always, we'll be back next week with a brand new episode. We're here in D.C., so you don't have to be.